right. Welcome to everyone. This is Vance, the copy with Vance. That's right. I'm back again every Wednesday at 9 p.m. without fail, as I promised. I'm your host for today. And yes, and today we did a little bit of difference. That's right. It's all behind the screen. And we are from the live from Kopi Event Studio. I have a guest speaker who is just standing by and he's ready to jump in. And uh, I'm sure everyone knows about him because he's our in-house speaker, a well-known speaker as well. He's another than uh, Dr. Arvinder Singh. HS has been joining us very, very shortly. But today's topic is all about diabetes. That's right. You know, in Singapore or even in Malaysia, even any country that we are talking about, I think diabetes is one of the biggest pandemic that we ever, ever seen. Right? We talk about COVID-19 is a huge issue, but it looks like diabetes, right? I mean, all of us love our food, you know. But unfortunately, um, like I said in my previous um, talk, because the month of November is specially dedicated for diabetes, right? The diabetes month. We, we dedicated with uh, all our experts and professionals who are coming on board to give us a great uh, presentations and uh, create a lot of awareness and exposures in this deadly disease. That's what we call diabetes. But it can be managed. It can be avoided. Um, and that's what we are going to talk about today, all right? So, so you think you know about diabetes. That's right, people. And Without any further ado, I'm going to bring in Dr. Arvinda on top and then we're going to discuss a lot of stuff that pertaining to diabetes. Let's call Dr. Arvinda. Hello, Doc. Hi, good evening, man. Happy Deepavali. Happy Deepavali to everyone. Delayed Deepavali wishes. All right, Doc. I mean, I'm sure, you know, pre-Deepavali uh, celebration are still going on, right? With the sweets and carbohydrates. I, I, don't, I don't think so. That has ever stopped. Yeah, it was. Uh, I I think for many it was a sweet Deepavali because they man they in Malaysia especially they managed to visit many of their relatives uh, who they have not met for a couple of years. Yeah. But I hope the sweetness didn't get into their blood. Okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, talking about <laughs> food and sweet, right, Doc? I mean, it's it's very very challenging. Before even we uh, dive into the topic today. Um, it's it's a bit of uh, you know someone who controls food or goes through a kind of a, a strict diet you know then they say oh you're not enjoying your life or you don't even you know enjoy the food <coughs> around but you know it, it it has to strike a balance right doc I mean what is your I mean before we even go into the topic what is your take on food that is high in carbohydrates high in sugar you know that's a big challenge isn't it doc Yeah I I always tell my patients <clears throat> that. Um, Half of your diabetes control does not come only from uh, half of your diabetes control comes from your medications, and the other half comes from your daily dietary habits and your lifestyle. So, if you think that you know medications alone is going to do something for you, unfortunately, you're very wrong. It it comes as a combinatory effect. So, a lot of patients ask me, can I just do exercise alone without my without my medications unfortunately it doesn't work that way and similarly mm. if you take your medications alone doesn't mean you know that you take your medications alone and leave your dietary and lifestyle outside it will also happen mm. it won't it's a combinatory effect it's a synergistic effect it is a buddy buddy system and trust me uh, once you strike that balance um, managing diabetes pre-diabetes and many other diseases becomes a very synchronized thing and it becomes very easy to handle. 
Yes, but uh, you know, Doc, I mean, saying that is pretty easy, especially whether we are talking about the different cultures that we all live with, right? I mean, individually have their own favorite foods and that kind of stuff. And recently, I posted a picture of a carrot cake. Uh, I'm sure after seeing that, a <laughs> uh, couple of uh, you know social media friends started to buy and then they tag me <coughs> and they talk about it. They say, friends, there's too much of calories. You shouldn't be eating as a coach. You know, you're hosting, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. But I, I look at them and said, hey, you know, you need to strike a balance, right? Um, if you yeah. know what your input versus your deficit versus your deposit and if you're exercising and if you do your regular checkups, I think that's pretty fine, isn't it, doctor? Rather than going under a very tremendous stress, uh, not eating at all and 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 going through a... Uh, and also can it can lead to also uh, mental issues, right? Uh, it can also lead to depression as well, isn't it, doctor? Yeah. So basically, most of the time it is... Whether your output equals your input or your input equals your output, most of the time our input is much higher than our output. When I say output here, I'm talking about exercise. So what happens is uh, I always tell my patients, you cannot go on no sugar and no cup. It's very difficult to do that. You have to go on low sugar, low cup. So you can actually have a lot of, uh, 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 you know, a lot of desserts and all that if you want, either by modification, if you mm -hmm. can't do the output. That means you go, instead of uh, uh, going for something savory and sweet, it, mm -hmm. it, it is prepared in the same way, but without sugar. And, mm -hmm. and, and you actually still have that delicacy without um, having sugar. Like, for example, you just brought up the term carrot cake. There are a lot yeah, of carrot yeah. cakes in this which can be which can be made without eggs. It can be made okay. even without sugar and as a substitute. So if there is a healthy enough substitute that can take place, then why not? But that is if you can't mm. put the output out. If you if you think you can do the output, then mm -hmm. I, I I assume that if you can count your calories well, you are able to manage your calories well then mm. the input and output shouldn't be a problem. Well said, Doc. Well said that on that on the food part itself and the deficit versus the deposit. But Doc, um, you know, we, 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 I mean, of course, this is the topic. We are we already warmed up. We are going in. And um, I know we, we had a, a discussion earlier. The type 1 and the type 2, we will definitely will come into that. Uh, but but you know you know people out there who are just listening up today, right? I think very important. I think we need to strike a balance. There are some you know who just go under an extreme diet, and then we do see a lot of other side effects as well. You know, you start going to binge eating and stress eating and depression eating and kind of stuff. But I think what is very important is to in order to lose weight, if you are overweight or risk of being overweight. I think studies have shown that modest amount of weight loss in overweight and obese people with diabetes improve blood glucose control. So it's very important that before you're starting up an exercise program or even if you want to go and you know jump into a, a serious kind of diet, I think it's very important to seek professional help or talk to people who have that kind of experiences or professionals especially. And this also lower the risk of developing heart diseases and strokes. And you know, Doc... Um, you know, we, we are just going to jump in. I know this topic is a very, very deep topic. But, you know, these are like relationship, right? Like father, uncle, auntie, cousins, you know, grandmother, grandfather. Once you have a, a kind of a diabetes, your blood pressure start comes in, your cholesterol goes up. And then, you know, it's, it's a path of not coming anywhere to a solution, but rather a path where leading to a lot of illnesses. Um, is this all co-related, doctor? 
You see, the problem is this lah. <clears throat> when when a person has diabetes, right? Their their level of blood pressure control becomes different from someone who has uh, no diabetes. Because uh, when you have diabetes, right, and you have a bit of protein in the urine, your blood pressure has to be maintained at one two four by seventy two or seventy four. So okay. even if a normal person has a BP of one thirty by eighty, they are pre hypertensive. And then you tell them, okay, mm-hmm. you know what? You have to really control your your salt. You have to control this. You have to control that. But if a diabetic mm-hmm. were to come at one thirty by eighty, automatically they are they are termed as hypertensive most of the time mm-hmm. because they 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 have already hit that mark. Because you you want to achieve something which actually protects their end organs. When I say end organs, I'm talking about the brain. I'm talking about the heart. I'm talking about the kidneys. You know that sort mm-hmm. of thing. So the moment they hit one to four by eighty four or seventy one to four by uh, yeah one to four by seventy two or seventy four, mm-hmm. some people follow one to four by seventy six. Basically, is one to four below uh, eighty systolic uh, below eighty of the diastolic. You will find mm-hmm. that there were pe- there were people who say, okay, you know what, you have to start certain medications to protect your kidneys as well. So mm-hmm. the 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 yardstick. Uh, I mean, just to make a long story short, the yardstick for diabetics change immediately okay. when uh, uh, you know because you don't want that person to have high cholesterol, high uh, blood pressure, and uh, high sugar because these three we call it the triple whammy. So the moment that mm-hmm. happens, you have the triple whammy. You are already mm-hmm. talking about cardiac diseases where other things are going to come in. So. Mm-hmm. we don't uh, we we prefer if the patient is well controlled but you know uh, to to be very honest when i see patients yeah. in uh, uh, in malaysia i do get <clears throat> i used to get uh, patients from singapore coming to malaysia to see me uh, before the whole covid pandemic you will find okay. that our lifestyles are roughly about the same and the moment a, a, a patient comes in and you detect diabetes most of the time they already have some form of cholesterol and hypertension so okay It uh, uh, it is very difficult to pick up diabetes alone unless it's a very very early stage. To be very frank, mm-hmm. mm. you, you know, doctor. I think, uh, like I said in our previous talk as well, where uh, you are the uh, speaker who came in, and we we talked about this um, a couple of times. I I will say many a times, uh, but it it seems that that the kind of information and awareness and exposure just doesn't finish as we go in. It's even deeper and deeper and deeper. And doc, I I, I just want to mention this. Um, when someone has a diabetes or in a high risk of pre-diabetes, I think that it, it's just not going to be just oh I just now need to control my food and start exercising. No, but it actually affects the whole entire system. Like what you said, it's not just about looking good outside. You know, I got my six packs. I'm looking very muscular. I'm looking very beautiful. And some, I mean, that's one part of it. But I think what happens is once the diabetes kicks in, there's so much of things that's just waiting to happen: food disease, skin infections, kidney diseases. Heart diseases, depressions, nerve damage, atrial diseases, blindness, and vascular dementia as well. And it's very interesting to see vascular dementia is happening because of <laughs> brain cells yeah. die due to poor yeah. blood supply. So, yeah. wow, doc, I, I, I think could we call this the biggest pandemic we ever seen since 1900 diabetes? <laughs> But we we hardly so, talk about it, right? So. Uh, 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 diabetes is not known as an endocrine disorder alone. It is a metabolic disorder, and the moment diabetes is uh, kicks in, you think of, like I said, you have to start thinking about all the other diseases. And uh, just to share with you, I 
uh, Mitch, I, 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 I do primary care a lot and my special interest is actually in diabetic feet. That means <clears throat> you see patients who are coming in with diabetic foot ulcers. You know, um, I just had a patient about, I would say, a week before Diwali and uh, he came in with uh, undiagnosed diabetes. Uh, he had a very mm-hmm. bad foot ulcer when he opened up the bandage. It was okay. about, I would say, a good two to three days away from amputation. And I had to uh, remove quite a lot of flesh from the foot. Um, okay. I did a I, I did a couple of basic surgeries, tried my best to revascularize it. Today I saw him, I was very happy and I'm proud to say that uh, we actually helped him save his foot. But this okay. is a lucky person who had come to the right place at the right time. Now, there, mm-hmm. there are mm-hmm. other people outside who unfortunately don't have that same privilege, either because of mm-hmm. access to uh, people who know about what they are doing or just awareness per se. So I think mm-hmm. it is, uh, I would say it is a global issue. And unlike COVID-19, there is a vaccine where you can actually help to help solve the situation. Yeah. Unlikely diabetes is something where you can actually get a shot to prevent diabetes. You know, mm. it is something, That's- the only way you can prevent diabetes for me is to check, mm-hmm. check and check. So if you're a person who is above 30, I would always recommend at least make it a point six months or every year just to have your blood sugar checked. Just check on okay. a fasting blood sugar or do a HbA1c because that is okay. the way we are going to solve this global issue. If not, we are mm-hmm. going to be sitting here in 20 years time talking about even more details about diabetes with more people mm-hmm. suffering it from it. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. very little has been done. You know, Doc, you, you, you said it clearly as well about HB1AC. I think it's very important. I think this hemoglobin check, I think, um, uh, what is recommended, Doctor? I mean, is it recommended like every six months once or what, what is your take <coughs> on this HB1C? So, so let me talk about HB1C. HB1C, why it's called HB? HB comes from the word hemoglobin. So basically, um, it is supposed to be done only three months, one, uh, three monthly, uh, every three monthly. Some people, they like to do it today and then they start a new medication and they want to check next month whether it has improved. Unfortunately, no. Because our body produces red blood cells every three months. So whatever blood is circulating today or was produced today will only be destroyed in three months' time. So if you mm-hmm. do your test in three months' time, then only you will have it is basically like an overhaul of all the blood cells where mm-hmm. most of the blood cells would have already changed to the new blood cells and they would be carrying the exact average blood glucose of your body. If you check within one month and you know they do an average count, you are still taking part of the old count and some small bit of your new count. So I always I tell my patients three monthly at minimum, but I always mm-hmm. tell my patients that I don't mm-hmm. expect to see a drastic change in three months. I know mm-hmm. uh, if, let's say, you are just trying to drop it by 0.5 or something like that, I always say at least six months. So it also gives a good positive effect that when you take it a bit longer, the patient mm-hmm. actually sees the difference. And sometimes you di- you have a difference of 0.2 or 0.3. Mm-hmm. You can't actually say, and then you tell the patient, never mind, you, you know, you try for another three months and then you come back. So it becomes a waste of money. For me, that mm. resources is very, very important. So I always tell six months. And 
it also gives time for the exercise and all the other other things which you are doing. That the other half which I was telling you about, you mm. know, your exercise, your food to kick in, and mm. then you will know. And you know, like some patients, they are very resistant to start medication. They want to only exercise and do this and do that. I said, okay, you can try it at okay. your own risk, which I don't recommend. But for six months, mm -hmm. and then when they come back, they say, oh my god, it has worsened, and then they realize mm -hmm. that look. It is not due to chance. It is basically whatever they are doing is wrong. So they have to mm -hmm. re-overhaul their system and then it mm -hmm. becomes a better control way. So I always recommend at least six months. But if you are not uh, diabetic or not of high risk, I would say one year one should be okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you, doctor, for, for that. And uh, <coughs> on a, just on a side note, we have lots of questions just coming up. Uh, in fact, there's a couple of questions already came in already. Thank you, viewers. Keep in coming up, uh, keep them coming up. We will definitely will answer all that questions uh, with Dr. Arvinda expertise, which um, we know in a while because now we're only just moving on to the first gear and second gear, uh, where we're going to talk a lot of more other stuff like pre-diabetics. We talk about a little bit more on the HbA1c as well, HbA1c, which is how crucial it can be. Uh, just to do a measurement. But a lot of people doesn't have the awareness or even just to make sure that they only went to see a doc, especially when they fall sick. And this is definitely not a very good time to fall sick at this point of time because, you know, you will be tested or you will be, you know, going through a different kind of a, a different kind of path, right, doc? I mean, that's why a lot of them are worried at this point of time. Yeah, Doc, I mean, just on a side topic of this... Is there a lot of people who just come and see you for normal fever nowadays or they are worried that uh, you, know, you have to do a certain test on them and they don't come and see the doctors often nowadays? Actually, since the start of the pandemic, you get a lot of people who come in with fevers who want to check because they are worried there is a health conscious uh, uh, um, uh, or, 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 or health seeking behavior which has already been done. Unfortunately, okay. we don't see that for metabolic disease and I really hope that we get more people coming in and saying that, hey, do I have diabetes? Now everyone's coming, do I have fever? Is it COVID or not? You know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So I, I I hope that once, uh, you know, people can actually use that same, um, uh, same drive within themselves to actually mm -hmm. talk about, can we actually uh, detect metabolic disorders like diabetes? So a lot of people turn around and ask me, Arvinder, it's so easy for you to say HbA1c, you don't know the cost. The cost in Malaysia to do a HbA1c test is 35 ringgit. So okay. if you break it down by six months, I am talking that you spend or you keep or you just save six ringgit a month which is about singapore dollars two dollars a month i i don't know how much okay. it costs in singapore i assume okay. it would be about 35 sing dollars as well but all i'm saying is you just put away two dollars or three dollars a, 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 a month okay mm -hmm. for six months and uh, sorry for 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 12 months you already got it there if you're going to do it every six months maybe just say five dollars a month and that's it. Mm -hmm. You're done. You That is an investment for your health. So Definitely. I always tell my patient that these are the few things. It is unfortunately with the pandemic hit and I also have colleagues from Singapore telling me the same thing. A lot of people were scared to go to hospital like rightly like you put like some people are scared to go and seek health care because of this pandemic. They are worried they get infected. Now, a mm. lot of them with diabetes are now coming in and we are seeing them with their diabetes uncontrolled. And uh, 
this particular gentleman who I mentioned to you who came with his diabetic foot, he's not the only one. The number of people who are coming to see me with diabetic feet because of uncontrolled diabetes over the mm-hmm. past six months has maybe mm-hmm. tripled. Okay. So over the last six months, coming tripled. In, yeah. And, um, you know, Doc, I mean, yes. I, I think this is the next yeah, question the that reason I'm going is to put because, in. Yeah. Go ahead, Doctor. Go ahead. <laughs> then I'll get the question yeah. in the next. Please go ahead. No, I'll just say that. Unfortunately, this is the post-COVID uh, Uh, pandemic that we are going to face there are a lot of people who had a lot of metabolic disorders are going to come in now for worsening of their condition and uh, mm-hmm. i think that uh, you know as a nation uh, whether it's mm-hmm. singapore or even malaysia we should look at how can we actually treat these people in the event that they can't come to hospital because today it's the pandemic tomorrow it may be because of transport it may be because of another infectious diseases got uh, uh, what another infectious disease uh, got forbid but uh, you know it could be because of something else so i think the way we manage our um, ncds which we call it non communicable disease must mm-hmm. perhaps change to allow accessibility for everyone yep mm. We have uh, Samantha here, Doc. I think um, she just joined us uh, a little delayed, but I think it is quite relevant what we just talked about here. If we don't do the test, what other signs can we look for apart from the HBA? <coughs> oh, that's a uh, good, <coughs> that's yeah. a bad, that's a very good question. Um, there are many symptoms these days, but most of the thing, uh, most of the time, we actually see our patients who suddenly lose weight. They can they have sudden uh, urge of hunger. They eat a lot. they pass urine a lot they lose a lot of weight and you find that they have wounds that delay that that the healing is very late so a couple of things which actually can cause they call it polyuria that means urine urination a lot polydipsia some of them they actually get recurrent urinary tract infection there are some patients who come recurrent mm-hmm. urinary tract infection recurrent urinary tract infections and i just tell them okay let's test your diabetes and uh most of the time where all the other conditions are ruled out you pick up that they are actually having diabetes uh you will not be surprised samantha uh uh you know there are ladies who come to see me who always get uh vaginal thrush infections uh which they call it uh, the whitish discharge from the vagina a lot of them think it is very common um mm-hmm. especially um, uh, when they are nearby their 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 menses and all that when they are nearby their periods but unfortunately i just detected i think about a week ago 30 year old mm-hmm. lady constantly getting this white discharges and i told her i said let's check your sugar she she couldn't believe me she said i said just check your sugar and sure enough she was diabetic mm you know doc i, I think so along the same sometimes line sometimes there are very uh, funny signs yeah okay Sorry, Doc. So along the same yes, line, ahead, I think you also ahead. mentioned, yeah. like according to Samantha, that you know if we don't do the test, what are the signs? You know, this frequent visiting to the loo, you know, uh, every thirty minutes or every one hour or <laughs> every two hour, is that could be also be a, a sign of a indication that one should start to you know look out for something. I I uh, I don't Doc? really think so because it could be hyperactive bladder. Yeah. Okay. So Am we have uh, Samantha here. Yeah. So Samantha said thanks for that, uh, Doc. So yeah. Um. Any anything that we we want to cover a little yeah. bit more on the uh on the on the part where Samantha yeah. asked, or should we move on? 
No, I will. I will just uh, talk about uh, the one where you mentioned about the bladder. Every two hours, they could be having hyperactive bladder. Even people who are anxious, they have small bladders or they 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 have poor bladder control. They keep going to the okay. toilet, and then there are some mm-hmm. people who have urinary tract infections. They keep going to the toilet. There are some people who consume a lot of water. They keep going mm-hmm. to the toilet. There are some people who go into cold rooms. They can't take it, okay. and they keep going to the toilet. So they are. <laughs> There's okay. a very yeah. There's a very wide spectrum of that. So to pinpoint it on one exactly, it's very difficult. Thus, mm-hmm. I think it is important to just go and get a normal health check. Like I was telling you, this particular lady, she had no other symptoms. She only had that whitish discharge. So she came and then she saw a seek treatment. I gave her the treatment. She was okay. And then after she came back after a few months, she said, "Dog again is back." I said, "It is not very common that you get it back so fast." I said, "Why not? We just do a blood test." And she said, "I got no symptoms, nothing." And sure enough, okay. she was actually having mild diabetes. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, we we will we, as more um, questions coming up, so I'm going to pull it up as as time goes by. Uh, we have Murali here. Just hang on there, Murali <coughs> William. Sure. And I think uh, I'm going to answer these uh, first before we even move on to the third gear, which is almost coming into a, you know, I call it the hot topics are coming up. So, Doc, so she's asking, um, can one reverse diabetes? I mean, we do hear uh, posts once in a while, then, oh, I have reversed my diabetes completely, 100%. <coughs> can be, could be marketing uh, or could be some kind of, uh, I, I'm not sure, right? But in the medical uh, science that we talk about, once someone is diagnosed with a diabetes, is it able to manage it or is it, can we can reverse it? So if, uh, I think you had uh, Dr. Kiru on the show quite some time ago. Uh, He's the person who does uh, a lot of bariatric surgery. So mm-hmm. up to a certain amount where bariatric surgery, <clears throat> where it's uh, basically in, in, in laymentum, they call it tummy tuck. So basically what happens is they, they, they make the capacity of the stomach smaller and what okay. happens is sometimes diabetes reversal is possible in um, mm-hmm. in um, in in a way of um, of surgery now okay that that may be possible but it is uh, i i would say it is possible i've seen it happen but how efficacious it is for the long term we don't really know that's number 1 number mm-hmm. 2 is uh, some people who are on insulin may have to still go on medication, but it is much less of other things. La. So you, 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 your, your, your consumption of uh, a lot of medication or injectables drop. All right. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. the other thing. But what I would like to bring up is uh, uh, what, what, what the most important things of reversibility is if you have pre-diabetes. Now, I won't go very far. You take me, okay. for example, right? I was having a sugar, I, and I follow the British, the British uh, uh, standards. You see, that's another mm-hmm. problem we have in this world. We have the US standards, we have the British standards, then we have our Malaysian standard, we have our Singapore standard, we have all our local standards. So everybody starts deferring. That means I go to see another doctor, uh, the, the doctor will say, okay, your sugar is seven, no problem, you're still okay. That is for maybe mm-hmm. local settings. But when you go to see another person like me who follows the British standards because a lot of studies are based on British standards and then you Mm -hmm. find that their sugars are already in the pre-diabetic range. 
So the patients become confused. Some of them become angry. They say, like, why did the doctor tell that I was normal? The unfortunate thing is that with all these three different uh, standards, and there may be other standards as well, where uh, different levels are used, what happens is we find that there's a lot of disparity. Now, why am I saying this? Because in, in the UK, uh, UK British system, you will find, and this is what I, I, I notice quite a number of people in uh, doctors in Singapore believe or they put their trust in, is that we need a sugar of 5.6 or less, whether HbA1c or fasting sugar. Now, the okay. moment a person hits 5.6 to 6.2 or 6.3, they are considered okay. pre-diabetics. So, mm. where I was concerned, my sugar was about 5.6, 5.7. So, what I did mm. was I come from a high-risk family background where uh, my mom's side, 100% of them have diabetes. Uh, I mean, her age group, all of them had diabetes. So, I had a very high risk, all right? So, what I did was I tried my diet, I tried my exercise, and I did all of that. And I found that my sugar came down to about maybe 5.4, 5.5 which wasn't all that great because I'm very near the 5.6 border. So what I did mm -hmm. was I decided to start a medication which in the very, very long time, in the past, it was only used strictly for diabetics, all right? But in the, in the current modern age, it is used for not only uh, pre-diabetics, it's also used for weight control and weight loss. Now, the way the drug works is it basically reduces your appetite and uh, uh, it reduces your your craving for food and mm -hmm. if you take any carbohydrate it flushes it out from the body it's an approved medication many many years ago they used to use for diabetes they still use it for diabetes but of course we can still be used for uh, uh, for 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 pre-diabetes so what i'm trying to say is after i started that medications which diabetics normally take two or three times a day i only take it once a day and you know what I reversed my sugar from 5.5, 5.4 to about 4.3 fasting. Okay. So that is reversible. The pre-diabetic stage is reversible. That is why I keep telling people that the moment we pick you up as a pre-diabetic, that is the time, the best time to reverse it. I give you an example of one of my patients refused to actually start that same medication which I was on. I told him, I said, look, that you are pre-diabetic, now is the time to start. He said, no, I want to start my exercise and all that. So I respect my patients, which is, but I always tell them that, look, it may not work. He comes back to me in about, um, I think he came back to me in about six months later. We did a HbA1c and he already went into the diabetic range. Okay. So what happened was, unfortunately, uh, he was one of the fortunate people to pick it up. We picked up at pre-diabetic stage. It was unfortunate that the patient refused to to comply and, and, and that mm -hmm. was unreversible. But you know what? This same guy, his wife, spoke to me and she was on that same level and I gave her that medication which uh, 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 and she reversed her, uh, her pre-diabetes to uh, a normal state. So what I'm trying to say is that a pre-diabetic uh, pre state is reversible. But unfortunately, again, they may still need to be on medications lifelong, but only once a day. Mm, okay. You know, doctor, I think um, that the human body is such a beautiful, fascinating, ever, you know, there's never, like, I, I mean, I mean, you know that I always love to say that doctors are an angel 
that been sent down from the heaven, right, to the planet Earth to take care of the humans. But you know, as as each and every single day, the the things are just learning more and more about it. Then we can even dive into hormonal and metabolic disorder, and that actually can cause you a lot of more other issues as well, like the the endocrine system or the acid base balances. You know, but but. What is the whole idea about it? If somebody's in the young age, like 20 years old, 30 years old, 40, he abuses the systems, have a very poor lifestyle, um, lots of alcohol consumption, too much of carbohydrates, doesn't really watch it, goes above his basal metabolism rate. Um, the indications are very clear. You can't run away far, right? Either you're getting get, going to get it in the 60s or 70s. But people right. who are quite very careful about what they put in, um, what they eat, the amount of exercises. But unfortunately, um, they also get it, uh, the diabetes, yes. because of their parents and they inherited with that. Um, is that possible to avoid that? You know, if a parent has it, the child percentages-wise goes up way much more higher in a scale of 1 to 10, maybe about 7. Okay. Right. So, um, um, you know, studies have shown that one parent having diabetes, the risk goes up by a couple of times. And if two parents have it, it is nearly unavoidable. So um, I have come up with a very simple explanation that actually may shed a lot of light on the subject. So imagine, uh, okay, uh, what you have to know is that insulin is the one, natural insulin within our bodies, which is produced by the pancreas. The beta islets of Langerhans is the one that actually produces the, the, the insulin, right, in our yeah. bodies, in the pancreas. So that is what that actually causes. Now, you must understand, imagine the pancreas as a factory, all right? So the factory has, uh, for example, 100 workers. Okay, let's, let's take a simple figure of 100 workers. So every day, you get 100 pieces of material with 100 workers that you have to produce 100, let's say, let's put it as, uh, let's say 100 plastic cups. Lah. Let's put it as plastic cups. So you get 100 pieces of material. You have 100 workers, which you have to produce 100 cups. So on average, mm -hmm. you will say that one person produces one cup. One person produce, uh, utilizes one material and produces one cup on average, right? But we know for the very fact, as a factory goes along, there will be people who are unwell, people who take medical sick certificates or medical leave. And what happens is over the time period, you will find that instead of 100 workers, only about 80 turn up per day, mm -hmm. right? So these 80 people who turn up per day, they're okay. They can still, you know, now everybody has to produce slightly more than one cup on average. So what happens is it is still accommodative. That means everybody now produces maybe 1.15 sort of cups per day. Lah. All right. So it's okay. It still goes along. Everybody is still okay. But as we go along, 80 people will slowly start becoming 70 people because they are overworked now. There's a small group that feel that they are overworked. So it starts going down and then suddenly you find that there's 50% now uh, or 50 workers. Now, when it goes down to 50 workers, what you realize is that the material coming in, each person now is forced to make two cups because you still want to produce the 100 per day, right? So mm -hmm. each person still has to produce two cups. 
and that is when you start finding that the workers become unhappy the workers start throwing tantrums and this is what ha- happens in the body the workers are actually your beta islets of langerhans so and the amount which you eat per day is the product the plastic that comes in all right so what happens is these workers or the beta islets of langerhans or which produces the insulin have to be waken woken up that is why you take medications to stimulate these people or to whip these particular people asking them to actually start working all right so different medications work differently some of them they actually start taking a whip and start whipping and telling them you start working you start working you can work for a short period of time if somebody mm-hmm. were to force you that way but it will come to a point where they will say i don't care i can't work you whip me with me lah you know that's how it goes okay. so there are different type of medications these days that encourages them and say please lah work lah you know i will uh, you know i i will give you resources to actually help with your production of insulin that is how it works so there's someone here who have actually talk about reverse diabetes by low carb diet so i'm coming back to my particular example where i say okay. 100 pieces of plastic 100 workers 100 cups right now yes. imagine if i've only got 50 workers but if i take 50 pieces of plastic per day i'm still going to produce one person by one right and that is exactly what low carb is all about where when you take less sugar and less carbohydrates even though you have less amount of insulin within the body okay or you have less functioning uh, beta islets of langerhans to produce insulin you can actually achieve normal glycemic levels but how prepared are we to actually go to those low levels when everything in our food has carbohydrates and sugar so it becomes a very difficult thing so i always tell my patient yeah you know so no, sorry i just got to uh, yeah. just got to pause here for a while because you know um it's it's a bit surprising here because when you mentioned that you know going on a low carbohydrates and kind of stuff which of course is possible but you know there are some people who just go through this some crazy diets you know which is not sure what it's kind of diet where they heard you know just going through like you know just a water diet you know it can actually get them more harm rather than positive results and like what you mentioned i think they before getting into an exercise program it is very very crucial very important that they have to see a dog a nutritionist or even a dietitian you know to understand um, do a certain test uh, even a blood test as well to to understand the whole anatomy of their body before they even go into such a diet because if someone who goes on a diet for 3 months or 2 months just because a friend is telling them and eventually on the fourth month they just go into depression eating instead of solving one issue they just invite they another issue, issue to themselves so that yes, can be scary, scary as well doc yep i completely agree uh, <clears throat> a lot of patients come and see me with gastritis and most of them are quite uh, are quite large people or, or 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 you know they 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 have actually trying to lose weight on some ways and i say what are you doing oh no i'm trying to diet because i'm trying to lose weight and in that they cause gastritis and actually the other problem is they are having other metabolic disorders so i think this diets um you know some people go on intermittent fasting and all that 
I, I think it is just the way you actually accept it and how you actually do it. And unfortunately, people modify these diets to their own liking. So either it doesn't work or it actually brings a lot of harm to their body. So I absolutely agree with you that it has to be seen or, or, or looked through or, 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 or run through by professionals who know what they're doing, who deal this with this day in, day out who knows what is actually good for them and what can help. So even with these particular diets, uh, a lot of my patients, I keep telling them that even you're on medications, you have to go on certain foods, certain foods with very high carbohydrates you actually have to avoid because all foods have carbohydrates. So as you take these other foods, you're going to make up for your daily consumption. But mm -hmm. you cannot avoid carbohydrates altogether. You cannot avoid sugar altogether because some amounts are still needed. If you ask a diabetic to completely cut off their sugar, they're going to become hypoglycemic. And that is where mm -hmm. other problems can happen. So it is actually, I agree with you, and striking a balance. Uh, Vance, before I forget, I just wanted to share with sure. you, you asked me something about um, uh, genetics, right? So That's right. The, genetic, That's right. the genetic makeup is that these 100 workers which are there are because... Genetically, every factory in our in the genetics are only given 100 workers. Now, there are some communities, some races, some certain families where the genes already have it in them. They come with 150 workers. So for them, even from 150 workers to drop to 100 workers, and they are with the very highlights of diabetes. Now, unfortunately... Uh, sorry, I have to say this, and this is race-based. People mm -hmm. of the Indian origin or from Middle Eastern countries, you will find that they always most certainly have diabetes. The reason is because the genetic makeup has that workers of them, which they already have, is actually maybe starts at 80. So we actually start at a disadvantage. So even though if somebody has 20 people, uh, 20 workers who are already on medical certificate from 100, they reach to 80. We start at 80 and when 20 people take uh, medical certificates or medical leave, we are at 60 when we should be running at a capacity of 100. Unfortunately, genetics make up that issue of it. That is why you find out a lot of people when they are born, they already have diabetes or some children at the age of 5, they have diabetes. Why? is because they are born with so little workers or, or beta islets of Langerhans that they require supplementation insulin. So a lot of people ask me, Doc, if I take supplementation insulin, what does it actually mean? It means that you have got 60 workers now in your body. You don't have enough workers. So I'm giving you this insulin whereby your 60 workers now become 80 to 90 workers. That is why insulin has dosages. Because I have to actually estimate how much of your beta islets of Langerhans or your workers who are working to for me to actually supplement. So there are some people who require very low doses of insulin. There are some people who require very high doses of insulin because it not only depends on the number of workers which you are actually having there, it also depends on the number of pieces of plastic which you are actually receiving or your food which you are intaking a day. If your mm -hmm. food becomes regular and uh, uh, controlled, I don't need so many workers. Remember, even if I have 50 workers, I only have 50 plastic cups per day, uh, 50, uh, 50 plastic pieces. I only need to produce 50 plastic cups a day. 
So it was all about striking a balance. So I, I normally tell my patients I use this factory story so that they understand and why that you know a lot of patients say that oh if I'm already on insulin it's already very bad. No, unfortunately it is not the story, and that is why we have insulin dependent diabetes and non insulin dependent diabetes. But unfortunately even these days non insulin dependent patients may need supplementary of uh, nocturnal or, or night insulin to help activate their other insulin cells to help them start producing insulin so that they don't have to go on three or four times a day insulin. So know, was that clear when? Yeah. Yeah, it's very clear. But but you know, talking about this, just diabetes itself, we can dive into so many uh, spectrum, uh, so, so many angles that we yeah. can talk about. I think we can and I think yeah. we will not will we will able to find certain uh, manageable processes, but you know, looking at this medication versus mental, uh, in terms of stress, in terms of depressions, you know, so much of things is going bad. They have to be very careful not to get injured because the healing processes become extremely low. Um, and yep. the other part is, of course, you know, when there's someone who has a pre diabetic or even diagnosed as a diabetes, even you know, when you go for a particular function, there's so much of good food. I mean, I think the problem is we are always surrounded by foods. Right, even when you are talk about certain culture, or especially the Indian cultures, or even the Chinese, whatever culture that we talk about, you know, whenever you go and visit someone, it's always about food. It's always about the drinks. But I think even in the drinks, certain drinks are very, very crazy because they have about forty grams of sugar in the drink yep. itself. Just about yes. you know, hundred ml or even two hundred ml. Nowadays, <laughs> the brands or certain particular brands we don't want to mention here. Instead of giving you the total number of grams of sugar, what they do is they just break it down into hundred ml is seven grams. So if it's about three exactly. hundred, you just have to times it by seven. So yes, you know it's so much of information out there, and we can feel how people will feel stressed, especially when you go to a supermarket and supermarket and then you open up the. The, the, the corner where all the drinks are there it's so much of stuff to look at and a lot of temptations going on so we, we can understand you know um, but but looking at the stats dog um, if you're in the 20 you can enjoy a bit even if you're in the 30 hey you know you still can eat a bit more 40s I think is a number but what do you think is a number that we need to maintain or is it because of the culture is it because of the you know, our forefathers or even our parents, um, you know, it's not so much as come into health conscious, but of course things are moving so much in a, the right direction. But what is the age that one should say, you know what? Okay, let's prepare for the next 30 years. I don't want to go into that. One, my, where should one take the, the, the conscious <clears throat> about it? My cutoff point is always the age of 30. <clears throat> but this, I'm just being very generous and moderate about it because uh, it is the good time to actually pick up all these uh, people who are actually pre-diabetics at this particular point of time. I actually picked up myself by the eight, by the time I hit 30. That was when I actually diagnosed that I have a main amount of diabetes. And uh, I mean, uh, it is pre-diabetes. In fact, in Malaysia, it is not known as a di diabetic at all. So you have, um, I would say, uh, it, is, uh, it is, my levels actually did not hit pre-diabetes. But because of my strong family history, I decided to actually reverse that. Now, and I, I foresee that a lot of people would be also around that age. Um, nowadays, I notice it has slightly dropped to 25. I don't think it is because of anything else. I think it is the lifestyle that we lead. Um, you can go to certain countries and find that they don't have diabetes 
in a very um in a very uh, early stage it is actually for the very old elderly people and uh, if you go to like in malaysia we have the orang asli the indigenous tribes and when you go and mm-hmm. see them they because of their active lifestyle even they are 50 years old people uh, 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 gentlemen or ladies who are actually relatively fit they don't have any disease at all but some of them who have migrated into town who have mingled with the town people who are living the town lifestyle by the age of 40 they may be having pre diabetes as well so it is not only so much of the ethnicity per se we have these ethnic groups who are going in and out of town who are coming and with the style lifestyle change when they come into town has affected their their health in certain ways that uh predisposes them to actually metabolic diseases like diabetes so mm. i agree with you uh having a lot of aerated drinks or carbonated drinks any brand of carbonated drinks has very very high sugar content so i always tell and most most likely or not when ask my uh, ask my patients most of the time they actually say that they are either taking some form of cocoa drinks okay chocolate cocoa drinks or some form of carbonated drinks now these are the things that predispose more high more drinks when when it predisposes them this actually pushes them over the edge so mm. i think uh, to answer your question it could be a combination of many different things it also depends on society if society uh is society starts looking at like for example smoking right vans we yeah. have been so uh, uh, educated about smoking that the moment you see someone smoking these days you know to move away because not only is it detrimental to that person's health it is detrimental to your own health unfortunately when you see someone and you have brought up the best example someone eating a certain type of food everybody says hey let's have that type of food as well you know because the craving mm. is there but you don't see that for smoking because we have got enough exposure that we know that when a person is smoking we know to move away or that person knows now in fact it is so educated it is so well educated now that the person who is smoking moves away and you find less and less people smoking in public businesses and in certain countries like singapore it is banned to be to, to smoke in public so as you see as you move along i think it is how society accepts it you 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 go to certain places in malaysia you will find that when they mix a drink for you if they don't put x amount of sugar their their drink is not considered to be anywhere of standard but that is not what i want when i go to certain shops i tell them i want a drink without sugar they look at me as if i just ask them for their left kidney that's exactly the look i get from them because <laughs> that's a good like, one how can you how can you drink this particular drink without sugar i said just do it and unfortunately when you go to certain shops and they have this condensed milk they don't have evaporated milk a mm-hmm. lot of the shops do not have evaporated milk and sad to say in malaysia that a lot of shops don't believe in evaporated milk when i go there and i ask them and it's a very common thing to ask for you know even when i go to singapore i always tell uh, when i go to the indian shop indian anna shop or even i go to a chinese shop and you say tesi kosong or tesi o they are tesi zero that means they know 
you want that a drink a tea with milk without sugar unfortunately in many shops in this part of the uh, the world in this country in malaysia they don't have that facility if it is with milk there is sugar inside already but if society starts demanding look oh you are going to serve me a tea with that that condensed milk i don't want to come to your shop because i don't want that sweet milk with that sugar i want <laughs> evaporated milk so these people will go. say that okay you know what let's change our our menu let's change it to evaporated milk so you will have that customers who are coming back and say i want now tasty kosong i mean in malaysia we call it tasty kosong that means i want tea with that evaporated milk without sugar and then you will find that they will say oh you know what people are opting for this more uh, healthy choices we should start moving into healthy choices but as long as there's the demand for unhealthy food it is unfortunately still going to be there and that is why i was very happy that malaysia decided to continue and impose the sweet tax that means mm. if you have a particular drink or a particular food with high content of sugar it is going to be taxed higher so it becomes a, a healthier food becomes cheaper but unfortunately if you eat healthy these days it is not a cheap option so that is why i always say that the amount of metabolic disorders actually is highly linked with the uh, with the with the uh, i would say the gdp or the gross income of the particular groups and you will see uh, people say that diabetes is a rich man disease no unfortunately these days the people from the lower income groups are getting it because they resort to eating high carbohydrate foods to have that satiety effect so it's a whole different spectrum of thing so in order for us to actually curb the the diabetes issue a lot of things like making a uh, a uh, healthy foods cheaper all right mm-hmm. it should be a particular way of life and the demand for healthy food because you must remember that if they buy more of healthy food the demand is that the price actually drops the price can actually drop because they buy everything in bulk nowadays they have to buy it in lesser amounts because there is no demand but when the demand is there you find that everything becomes cheaper so i think there must be a a a a good government and political will for that and there must also be education for the system because when a person goes to the shop what is going to prompt them to take condensed milk what is going to prompt them to take evaporated milk when they want to have a drink that is going to change society that is going to change the metabolic outlook of our country or not i mean i say our, our country i'm talking about these both regions malaysia and mm-hmm. singapore well said doctor i mean um, exactly you know we 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 talked about all about the pre and post uh, you know stuff that we can do you know to do certain alteration and modifications but also we're going to come back to the very important part of course uh, exercises and <laughs> it's, a, it's a, i'm actually quite seeing this quite often uh, i mean like more, i think almost every week that you know when it comes to a certain issue then only people start exercising um what my suggestion and what my humble advice to people how they were listening this even to your families or even your friend um, you don't really need to run in the treadmill you don't really need to go to the gym all you need to do is just clock in the steps right some says walking is not an exercise at all but i think walking is the most important thing that you need to do that your heart will be thanked for you need to rise up 
raise your heart rate to a certain level. But like I said, very important, get a medical clearance, check with your doctor first, make sure your BP is fine, make sure your cholesterol is great, uh, you have done all the necessary tests, uh, like what Dr. Arvinda has talked about, the HB1AC, it's also need to be done. You know, then you start into an exercising, I think the body will be very, very thankful to you. Uh, the information that I put in here, it's about 150 minutes of lifestyle activity. It doesn't really need to do intense exercises, but you just need to make sure that you're clocking your 10,000 steps, which is equivalent to about one hour to one hour 40 minutes of walking, right? A breeze walking. And it's very, very crucial that your body will be thankful for that. You get your blood regulated and you also, you know, you, you keep your heart rate high up to a certain level. But all these have to be cleared by a doctor before you even start exercising. Doc, I'm going to pull in another uh, question here. Um, I think uh, Samantha has also asked it. Uh, we will definitely go back to Muruli again for the last question before we call it a day. Yeah. Um, ideal person to take a sugar in a day. What is the ideal intake for a person? Doc? So, <clears throat> uh, thanks, thanks, Samantha, for that question. Um, like I said, it depends on what your output is per day. So, and it also depends whether you have diabetes or not. So, I always tell people to take everything in moderation. So, if you actually are a person who wants to lose weight, that means your input must be less than your output. That means your output must be greater and your input less. So, when we talk about sugar, we talk about carbohydrates, it is actually about that. So what is your regular intake per day? Now, it can differ from from people, to, uh, from uh, anyone to anyone. It depends on what is your current HbA1c. It depends on what you take or what is your output. So, sorry. So there are many different things which can happen. So I would honestly suggest to actually talk to a dietitian, nutritionist, or a, or a medical doctor who can advise you, get a full history, find out what is your current daily activities and what uh, 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 how active is your lifestyle, and then they can actually decide. So a lot of things which I always tell my patients, generally cocoa drinks, carbonated drinks are not good. And the other one is which is the famous, ever famous three-in-one. Everything nowadays comes in three-in-one, three-in-one. The amount of sugar in three-in-one is atrocious. It's very unhealthy. So I always tell my patients, get rid of your three-in-one. Whatever three-in-one it may be, it is not good. Get the two-in-one because the two-in-one comes with a bit of creamer and a bit of your drink, whatever beverage it may be. Mm -hmm. But you must also understand that even in the creamer, there's sugar. But like I said, you need that little bit of sugar for your body to run. So that is okay. But the unfortunate thing is when it becomes three-in-one, it becomes super sweet. And what happens is the whole body goes, the meta metabolically, everything goes out of run. So to answer what, what sugar intake should be per day, it should be based on your needs. That is the most important thing. And Vince, uh, I just wanted to talk about your 10,000 steps per day, which I always tell my yeah. patients. Achieve okay. 10,000 steps a day. That is the best. We all have handphones these days. All of the handphones have step counters. There's no excuse to not monitor your step counts per day. It's extremely vital to, uh, to, to, to monitor your step counts per day. So a lot of people say, Doc, I don't have time to exercise. 
hey, come on, man, there are so many things you can do. When you, when you go to your office or when you go to your place of work, if you're on the second floor, don't use the lift, use the stairs. That's an excuse. When you come yeah, up and yeah, down yeah. a couple of times, that happens. If you're in the office and you want to pass from one place to another or you have to slightly walk, don't pass it to a colleague who is walking there or an office boy or an office girl. Go ahead and do it yourself. Make an excuse to get up and go and take water. You know, you, you're in the office, drink water. Make an excuse. That itself is walking. And I always tell my patient, the furthest point you can because you are forced to walk to the supermarket and you are forced to walk back. That is how you... You know, Doctor, sorry. Doctor, I got, to, I got to pause you here. You said a very, very uh, accurate information. You know, if you notice in the shopping centres, right? The one, the cars all filled up. The parking lots are all taken up. That is closest very to nearby the nearest the elevator. Yeah, so now, <laughs> wow, you got me thinking. Right, right. And the furthest way, <laughs> the furthest part of the car park is always empty. Probably right. it's about 100 meters, 150 meters. Maybe they were carrying additional groceries or things to carry up or with families or people with yes. physical challenges or activity. I mean, you know, but but like yeah. what you said, you mentioned, you know, go that extra mile, drop a few bus stops earlier, you know, walk a bit, you know, if that if the path or the time or the safety allows, why not, right? Doc, you said a, yes. a, a very accurate information there. Yeah, I, I, I believe that you can incorporate exercise into your life. If you are a very busy person, like, for example, I get a, some doctors who come and tell me, Arvinder, I can't lose weight because I I, 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 I have to work all day long. I, I can't actually incorporate exercise. So what I tell them is, instead of you, uh, you know, uh, uh, what you call uh, not going and seeing a patient or sitting in the clinic, purposely make an excuse to get up and go to the next room. Or, you know, when you see your patients, there is a dressing case or whatever, get up and go and walk to the next No, no Don't just walk uh, just don't ask your nurse or go and say that oh, okay what is it and uh, you know uh, uh, depend on your nurse to do it go and make an effort so when you start doing purposely look for excuses to get up and walk you will find that it changes your whole bit of lifestyle like i i am also in primary care so what i do is i make it a point i rem I, I know that the, the place where the clinic is placed there is a row of shops I know that if I walk from end to end, up and down, it's uh, it's nearly two kilometers per time if I walk. So I mm -hmm. make it a point to walk four times, and I and it's nearly nearly one point something kilometers. So uh, I, I I when I walk up and down four times, I know I've achieved ten thousand steps easily, and I'm done. Okay. And that is not even counting with the number of steps which I do. Now that is purposefully doing it, but if you're so busy incorporate exercise into your lifestyle there are stairs you can park at the furthest point even if you're going to the office park at the furthest point if you're taking the mrt or you're taking public transport exactly what you say get down one or two stops and walk ahead if you have uh, if your office is next to the station and you want to purposely incorporate exercise walk ahead two or three stations in front and join it there not only are you going to have exercise you're going to save money on the fare as well so these are the few things that you reward yourself. You think that, okay, I'm going to save some money. It may not be much, but actually it is helping you in multiple ways. So these are the few things which, you know, inspires people. And you always will help if you have a partner to actually help you with. So it, it, it's a mutual, mutual encouragement sort of thing.
Thank you, Dr. Arvinda. I think we have spent almost about one hour, 10 minutes in this topic. So you you think you know about diabetes, but you know, as we, I mean, it's almost coming to a two years, right? Um, since you've been a guest speaker at Kopi Events. I think we have a couple of times that we talked about diabetes. We create a lot of awareness and exposure, but this topic doesn't seem to be coming to an end, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it is just a continuity. So, um, yeah, I'm sure there will be another opportunity for you to come again, Doc, uh, as a guest speaker to talk about, you know, the importance of, you know, managing diabetes and also some important, valuable information you just shared, you know, how to prevent it. And even if you have it, you can able to manage it. And I think that is a very fruitful session, uh, Dr. Arinda, for sharing. Before, before, before we end, I would just like to tell everyone that a yeah. lot of people who are diagnosed with diabetes, they end up getting depression. The reason is they feel sad. They feel that they have lost the war. It is nothing. They have just maybe succumbed to one battle. But you must understand that there are so many people in this world who are staying and living with a normal life with diabetes. So diabetes these days is not a disease that can actually debilitate you. If it is well controlled, you can live with a normal, you can live a normal life with diabetes. There are a lot of actors, there are a lot of sports people who have diabetes, but they lead an active lifestyle and they live together, they, they live they live a proper and normal life with diabetes. So it is all about striking the balance. That is all. Like how we have learned to live with COVID, right? You have to learn to live with diabetes, but you have to, uh, it's a bit different with COVID because COVID is you have to learn to live with COVID. You wear your mask, you take all the precautions. Yeah, yeah. Why can't we do it with, why can't we do it with diabetes? Have a, uh, have a healthier diet, opt for exercise, opt for a, 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 a more healthier lifestyle. And at the same time, you can, even if you're diagnosed with diabetes, unfortunately, you can still live a normal life as a, di as a diabetic without any complications. So the trick is about doing everything in moderation and correctly. Thank you, doctor. Thank you so much. Well said. Important topics. Very, very crucial topics. Utmost uh, Thank you and great appreciation. We will definitely meet soon since the vaccinated travel lanes are open up. Uh, more opportunity. Oh, it's opening up soon. <laughs> and uh, a lot of plans are coming up. Definitely, we will have to catch up again. Um, the other side or you coming over here. So again, doctor, thank you so much for joining me at Kopi Advance. Most welcome, sir. Always happy to join you and uh, to share with your wonderful audience. Thank you. Thank you, Arvinda. Thank you so much, sir. So that's uh, Dr. Arvinda, one of our guest speakers at Kopi Events, who talks very regularly in our shows in uh, different points and different sessions that we always have him. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Arvinda. Yes, we have come to the end of the show, Kopi with Vance. And you all should know the topic is um, such an amazing topic. Um, Hang on a bit. I think uh, Dr. Arinda want to send another message. So hang on. Doc, I'm going to pull you up again. I think you want to send another uh, important message as well. Doc, come up, Doc. Hi. I'm so sorry. I was just actually going oh, to I'm say sorry. that before I leave the show, everyone, yeah. we are still living with COVID-19. We have, we have won the battle, but we have not won the war. 
please practice your SOP. Stay safe. Wear your mask. Keep a physical distance and also practice safe hand hygiene. And please practice all standard operating procedures. We are still with the virus. We have to live with the virus. But at the same time, let's live a normal new norm and live safely. Thank you. Sorry, Vince. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Doctor. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Arvinda. We will catch up real soon then. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Okay, so we have come to the end of the show. Um, we have another few more speakers that will be joining us. Uh, like I said, this month is all about diabetes. We're going to share tons of information with your support and with your share and with your likes. We definitely will reach out to more people uh, who can join us at Kopi Events and get benefited in, in this program. Um, I'll be back again next week uh, on the day of 17th and then we'll finish up the month with the 24th of uh, November. So till then, this is your host Vance, known as Copy Vance. I'll catch you soon on the 17th at 9pm. For now, adios, amigo. Bye.